Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards and it's been uh, a cold one this weekend. So there hasn't been as many games as expected. Most of the games that took place were on 3 and 4G. So we'll round those up later. We're also going to be chatting about the latest updates at Scunthorpe and Southend. We're going to be looking at who may be dropping from the EFL into the National League and who may well be coming into the National League feeder leagues. And also Joe's got his little tips for the FA Trophy as well, so stay tuned for all of that. Um, and I might as well introduce him because I've just given a little teaser there. It is Joe Pope from Off The Line Blog. Hello, Joe. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. It's been a while, I think, probably about three or four weeks, I think, and since I was last on. So it's nice to be on and not have a talky United defeat to uh, reflect on today. So, no, I think, well, I think they've, uh, I've talky been, I think they've won one and lost one since you've last been on. Yeah, so uh, perhaps I've given them the jinx now, but uh, yeah, they didn't obviously lose yesterday because they didn't play. So that was a, a bonus. Well, well, we'll get on to them later because I know they've made a few signings over the last couple of weeks. But also joining us, it is uh, Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Afternoon, gents. Good to see you. Uh, a man who's also uh, celebrating because Telford didn't lose this weekend. Although, to be fair, you're on a decent <laughs> run, aren't you? So. We are. We are five unbeaten at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I don't think you can just count Saturdays where we should have had a game, unfortunately. Yeah, we will look at the uh, two fixtures that took place in the National League on Saturday and basically they were both games on 3G pitches it was Bromley against Aldershot and Maidstone against Wrexham and I think the most interesting game was obviously down in Kent it looks like Wrexham were cruising to a 2-0 win over Maidstone Uh, as always Paul Mullin was on the score sheet there along with Luke Young but then Jack Barron's double quick fire double squared the match it looked like it was going to be two drop points for Wrexham but then Aaron Hayden popped up in stoppage time to head in Tom O'Connor's corner. And um, Wrexham, Joe, taking advantage of other teams not playing. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with Chesterfield and Knox County being called off. It was a chance for them to put some points on the board and put the pressure on. And uh, although it came late, it was uh, obviously another three points um, and a win on the road, which obviously they haven't done as frequently as their home form, which has been very, very good. Um, obviously for Maidstone, um, a good second half. Um, and that's now two games for George Ellicobi, where his team haven't lost against Wrexham or Notts County inside 90 minutes. Um, obviously yesterday they conceded in the 91st minute. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, you know, he, he had a, he has got a tough job, um, Ellicobi to, you know, to try and keep them up. And, uh, He will be pleased with the start he's made. Certainly lots of positives to take from yesterday. The fact that they they pushed him so close. I know Luke Young was on the score sheet and uh, all accounts haven't seen the goal, but it was apparently a bit of a stunner. Um, He only seems to score brilliant goals, Luke Young. So, uh, yeah, a good win for Wrexham and small signs of uh, recovery for Maidstone. I wouldn't want to upset George Alicobi, though. He's a big guy and you'd want to play well for him, I think, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the players know him. And I think that would be the disappointing thing, certainly, if Hacking Hay Rettin's, you know, watching on the fact that uh, they didn't do it for him. And yet, uh, you know, he's gone and they've given it to someone that's already in the building. And suddenly they put in some fantastic performances. Um, but uh, yeah, certainly uh, some positive signs for him yesterday. Obviously, as a defender himself, he would have been disappointed with the defending. But um, certainly going forward, they looked good yesterday. 
And in the other match played in the National League, uh, Aldershot drew 2-2 at Bromley. And the points were shared there after a good battle down in Ken. Jake Hutchinson, who was on loan from Eastbourne Borough, he, he was recalled by Colchester and then sent straight back out on loan to Aldershot. He opened a scoring. Michael Cheek equalised before Ollie Harfield gave Aldershot the lead once again. And then Michael Cheek, who signed a new contract over the past week, he equalised again. So his double rescued a point for Andy Woodman's side. And interesting as well that um, Bromley have got a Burr camp in the rank as well, haven't they, Dickie? Um, they've signed the, the son of Dennis Bergham and you have to forgive me because I can't remember his Mitchell. first name. Mitchell. Mitchell, right. At least not Dennis. Um, yeah, I mean, that is a very interesting signing. It, it will certainly, um, you know, gain the club some attention, but I, I don't, you know, it won't have been done as a publicity stunt. I don't think that clubs can afford to, you know, just be signing players on that basis. So there's clearly something there that they're hoping that he can bring um, to the squad. Um, a point probably doesn't do either side any good, does it, Joe? No, I think for Bromley, and you know, if they're going to push into the top seven, then they need to start grinding out wins against the, you know, although he's not here, he wouldn't like me saying the lesser teams, you know, they should be beating Oldershot if they want to get into the playoffs. You know, that's just, you know, they, they need to be beating those teams in the bottom half. You know, they've shown that they're able to compete against the top teams, but if they're going to push into the top seven with that bit of consistency, they need to beat uh, Oldershot. But for Oldershot, it's a, a useful point, I would say, perhaps more so for Oldershot than it is Bromley. Um, you know, especially after their win during midweek against Solihull Moors, to follow it up with another point on the road um, against Bromley. Uh, four points now in two games away from home against teams you'd be expecting to be in and around the playoffs. It's um, certainly a good week for, for Ross McNeely after a very difficult start to the, to the year with uh, those defeats against Woking. Interesting as well, Joe, um, that Michael Cheek signed a new contract at Bromley. He seems to be really happy there. I know he'll, he'll obviously always have suitors. Not had quite a, a prolific season as normal this season, but it's quite a big coup for Bromley to keep hold of him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, they've got a young manager uh, in Andy Woodman, so obviously they want to back him going forward. And obviously Michael Cheek wants to be a part of it going forward under him. Um, I would have expected him to move on. Um, at the end of the season. But, you know, the fact he wants to stay there speaks volumes of what they're trying to do. And uh, that's a, even though, as you said, even though he hasn't been at his best this season, um, you know, to keep him for another couple of seasons is uh, really good news for them. A lot of games were called off due to the weather. Um, the most sort of scathing announcement came from Yeovil Town, didn't it, Joe? Who uh, basically said um, the referees made an outrageous decision uh, to call the game off, despite representations from the club that the game should go ahead. Yeah, well, <laughs> it was funny on uh, social media because there were certainly cheers from the Oval fans that they didn't have to watch another 90 minutes of football. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, another dis- another disappointing late postponement, um, which obviously perhaps the theme of this week. But um, I see they put out some footage this morning of them training on the pitch and having a right good laugh yesterday so um, yeah disappointing for them um obviously it's a another week of preparation to bounce back from that defeat to to Bromley last time out um so yeah obviously yeah gives a bit more time for Altrincham as well I mean we'll probably come on to talk about it that um 
obviously after losing Ryan Coltclough and Connor Jennings, it gives them perhaps another week to get into the market and try and bring in a, another forward or two. So, um, yeah, uh, obviously disappointed in the game wasn't on. I was actually supposed to be going to watch it yesterday, so that saved me 20-odd quid yesterday. But, um, yeah, uh, disappointing that it wasn't on. So we're gonna because it was only two games in the National League. Uh, we're going to look at some of the the movements that have taken place in the transfer window. Uh, we talked about Altrincham there. There's been lots of uh, incomings and outgoings. So obviously Ryan Colcuff is the biggest one to leave to go to Chesterfield. Connor Jennings has also been recalled by Stockport County. Uh, and they've also loaned Brad Jackson out to Charlie. So incoming, they've got a very good youngster from Manchester United, Maxi Oyedele, who won the FA Youth Cup with Manchester United last season. They've also, interestingly, brought in Michael uh, Giassi as well, who's on loan from Chesterfield, has played against Kings Linden, uh, played against Aldergham a couple of times for Kings Linden, really impressed them. And also talking of Yeovil as well, he's brought in forward Jordan Young and midfielders, Charlie Cooper. Hmm, I wonder why Charlie Cooper signed there. And also Chesterfield Loney, Jack Clark in the past week. And they've also signed uh, Jordan Maguire-Drew on a permanent deal as well. Uh, going out was Louis Britton and Jack Scrimshaw and return a mid- midfield at Jamie Andrews to his parent club, West Brom. So lots of uh, interesting signings there. First of all, Olsham Dickey. Yeah, there is. Um, you know, it, it's going to be a blow to them. Um, losing uh, players of the calibre of, of Ryan Colclough. Um, I don't think it was realistic to expect them to be able to hold on to him when, you know, a club like Chesterfield comes calling. Um, but yeah, it's uh, that's a little bit of the price that Altering and Pay for punching above their weight again, isn't it? In that, you know, their, their players do um, gain the attention of other teams and unfortunately they're not quite at the stage yet where they can sort of hold off suitors for their uh, uh, their players' services. Yeah, and Yeovil, um lots of ingoings and outgoings there as well, Joe. Yeah, um, and some good ones. You know, I think they needed, um, you know, the, I think it was always on the cards that they were going to bring Jordan Maguire Drew in on a permanent. I know when he came in on loan originally this season, Grimsby made a point of saying, no, no, he hasn't come on, on a permanent deal. Because Yeovil said he had, um, but obviously now they've got their man. But um, really good signing for them. You know, obviously scored the winner in the playoff final last year. So uh, good Good player for Yeovil. And obviously Jack Clark, another really good attacking player um, that's come in from Chesterfield, obviously used to play for Yeovil. So uh, that's a good signing. Um, obviously, they've signed Jordan Young from from Chippenham, someone that Mark Cooper has worked with before. He was at Swindon when he was a youngster. And I believe it was actually Mark Cooper that gave him his professional debut. Um, he's hit, I think, three in his last four for Chippenham um, before signing for Yeovil. So hopefully he can provide the goals. And, you know, I made a point on Twitter. Someone asked, I did a Q&A in the week and someone said, you know, what do you think of Yeovil's signings? It's all right having some good wingers, but they still need someone to put the ball in the back of the net. You know, it's no point setting up the same person every week. Um, so I th- they needed to add a striker and hopefully... Jordan Young can uh, can be that one for them. Um, I don't think he will be. Um, I think they still need a striker or two um, in January. Um, obviously, it doesn't have to be in January up until I think the end of February. But uh, yeah, some some good signings for Yeovil. You're doing a Q and A on Twitter, eh? <laughs> I was. Yeah, I didn't see your question come in, Luke. 
I didn't know you were doing one, that's why. I thought uh, you'll be doing an Instagram live next, won't you? Uh, no, no, no. no. All. Um, in terms of Torquay, Joe, obviously I mentioned about uh, they made quite a few signings. They've announced signs of Jacob Mensah and striker Toppy Fadahunzi. Uh, Fadahunzi comes in on loan from Sutton United. Um, and Mensah, he arrives uh, on a free transfer. He spent the first part of the season at Maidstone. He's been at this division before. He's played for the likes of Weymouth as well and in and at Morecambe. So he's got nearly 100 senior appearances to his name and he's only 22. And Gary Johnson seems pretty happy about that. Yeah, and so am I. I think, you know, he's. you, you could look at it and say, you know, why wouldn't Maidstone in their position want a player that's, you know, really good, especially now they've got a, an interim manager that's, um, you know, an old centre-half himself. But I think... You know, it sometimes doesn't work out for some players at some clubs. And I think, you know, when you look at where he's been, he obviously got that move to Morecambe um, and he has done well at this level before. And to get him on a permanent, I think, is a good signing. Um, you know, he's he's still got a lot to, to learn, obviously, um, but he has got a lot of experience under his belt. And obviously, Morecambe rated him highly to sign him in League One. So uh, I'm pleased uh, that we've brought him in, especially the fact it's a permanent signing. Um, I expect we may see one centre-half leave the club now. I expect Ollie Tomlinson will leave. Um, we signed from Plymouth in the summer. He hasn't actually, I don't think he's even kicked a ball for us in the league um, this season. Um, Fadahunzi from Sutton, obviously we've, we must have some links with them. Um, perhaps a, a sweetener for the fact they beat us to the National League title. Um, but uh, yeah, he's impressed for Sutton, so I'm surprised he's gone out on loan. Um, you know, he's played, I think, 16 games for them. Obviously, hasn't started many, but he's looked good for Sutton. He'll give us some pace. We need some some pace up front because that's what we've missed this season. So, so that's a good signing. Um, you know, we've made uh, two more signings uh, as well. James Kroll from Cardiff City, striker. Um, Will Goodwin left a couple of weeks ago to go to Cheltenham in League One, so he'll he's come in, and we've also signed Nico Lawrence from Southampton. Um, obviously, Johnson's not happy with the centre halves that we've had so far this season, so uh, two of those come in. Um, Nathan Jones, the Southampton manager, obviously used to play under Gary Johnson at Yeovil, so uh, helping out his former gaffer by sending us Nico Lawrence. So a lot of movement. Um, it'd be interesting to see which loanee now misses out because we've got six loanees. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who misses out on a match day squad now. But uh, yeah, um, he, Johnson said he needed to change the squad because the first half of the season has been pretty poor. So I'm pleased he's going out and trying to change the squad. So yeah, not not too not too shabby for talking. Yeah, and a couple of others as well. Uh, Aston Villa goalkeeper Philip Marshall has moved back to Gateshead on loan. Uh, he spent the second half of last season on loan there. And also an interesting one as well, Halifax has signed Louis White from Glossop North End. He's been knocking around sort of step four and step five for the last few years. Started off as a youngster at Bolton. So Halifax have brought him in, presumably as covered. They've got Keen Spence and Matty Warburton out injured as well. Um, sticking with the National League then, it's the old uh, soap opera, South End and Scunthorpe United. Um, South End have been given more time to pay money owed to HM Revenue and Customs after a winding up petition was hearing the adjourn the hearing was adjourned until the first of March. Uh, it was served on the club in October. And and the judges said that it's a valuable South End United are a valuable asset to the local community, but it has to be paid. We heard 
couple of weeks ago, didn't we, Dickie, about um, CEO coming out being quite bullish, saying, look, we're, we're pushing on with our plans to get the new ground. Once that comes in, everything will be sorted. But I know the trust have said that um, they still want all the salaries to be paid on time because they haven't been as yet. And uh, they feel that the can has been kicked down the road. It's very understandable to, that they would feel that way. I mean, I, I suppose the, the positive side to this is, um, you know, the judge, um, maybe not HMRC themselves, but the judge is obviously satisfied that there is some uh, prospect uh, there for the club, you know, and in in that they haven't just moved to, to um, uh, act on the the, uh, the the action that's been brought by HMRC. Um so there is some promise there, but at the same time, you can understand for the fans how just how uh, I was going to use the word tiresome, but it, you know, it's it's far more than that, isn't it? You know, to see this just prolonged, um, what you know, it, it's it like seeing you know somebody that you know, um, you know, going through difficult times. You know, you see the football club going through this, and you just want them to be able to um, put their problems behind them and move forward, and they just don't seem to be able to. It's very bittersweet because they're doing well on the field, aren't they, as well? Yeah, they are. And, you know, whether that's been part of, you know, <sighs> when Southend came down um, into um, the National League, I think they were a club who, like many that come down, made them, I think I'm going to say the mistake of underestimating this league. Um, and they didn't. Um, hit the ground running at all and it took you know getting some experienced people who know this level in to sort of pull that around but once they've started moving in that right direction again that's a sign of promise there for them you know they can point to the fact that they've got you know um, a fan base who um, are still very much behind their club and you know would come out in numbers and and you know it's not like attendances are dwindling away but just this what's going on in the background is just continually um, just eating away at them. And then you've also got Scunthorpe as well. Um, Ian Ian Sharp, who was a local businessman, he was going to come in and he also bid for the club. Eventually, he's um, after prolonged discussions, he's pulled out and walked away. So at the minute, it looks like the only person in the running is former Notts County owner Alan Hardy. Um, obviously, he's not um, remembered with much fondness at Notts County, it's fair to say. Um, Vicky McClure, her of Line of Duty, gave a rather scathing tweet at the time as he tumbled out of the Football League about him. Uh, he said he doesn't want to walk into a hostile and toxic situation, but he also knows what success and failure looks like, Joe. Well, without, uh, without being too harsh, he certainly knows what failure looks like. Um, and, uh, you know, Scunthorpe have had a lot of it this season. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you just can't get, you just, some people just don't get the luck, do they? You know, they obviously they want someone to come in and save them. And, you know, it looks like it's going to be him, but, um, yeah, I mean, I just hope that, you know, they get it sorted. You know, it's been a real tough, not just a year, you know, a couple of seasons for them, all the problems. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that somebody can, uh, you know, come in and, you know, keep them up first and foremost and keep them afloat. Um, obviously, it's disappointing with the news that the, the takeover fell through um, for whatever reason, I don't know. Um, but, but uh, yeah, you just want to see it sorted. You know, same as Southend, I was going to come in and say, whilst, uh, whilst Dickie said earlier, is, you know, Southend have got everything they need there now. 
to be successful apart from one key ingredient. Um, and, uh, you know, I think if they can sort that out, then they will be promoted within the next three years from the National League. Um, I said it at the start of the season, I think everything they've put together there, I think if they can just sort out the problems behind the scenes, then uh, then they can get success. Yeah, it's funny you say about the Alan Harden thing. It's like um, it's like you just put a fire out of the house and then realise that, and then the scaffolding drops off it, off it, doesn't it, and stuff like that. And then the, the foundations are a bit rotten. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, Scunthorpe fans keep seem quite happy. I think that uh, it's just going to be somebody different to Peter Swan, but equally, the Notts County fans are, are trying to warn them about it. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, for Scunthorpe's sake, you hope that Alan Hardy's maybe learned from his mistakes. Yeah, well, the one thing that I would say to Scunthorpe fans that, you know, perhaps with the troubles they've had of, you know, it's anybody else. You know, look what's happened to Crawley this season. Mm. You know, they've got a new owner and uh, they're not happy that it's just any other person. Um, so, uh, yeah, it needs to be the right person because you might as well get someone else in. But if you're going to be in the same situation in 18 months' time, then it's no better off than they are now. So uh, hopefully they can get it sorted. You've made a fantastic point there, Joe, because the amount of people that I see on the, just on social media and, and in general, you know, the owner comes in for a couple of years, he's hailed, they spend a bit of money, then maybe, I don't know, that they kind of try and adopt a business model where maybe they don't spend as much, try to be sustainable. Then the fans get on the back, they want rid of the owner, the owner goes and then bring in somebody else who's maybe not quite as good, but they're that desperate to get rid. The other owner goes, do you know what? All right. Off you go. I'm going to give it to someone else, and it's not always the right person. And the the main the moral of the story is the grass isn't always greener, is it? No, and I think as much as you know, and rightly so, they have had a lot of criticism. The owners of Southend and Scunthorpe, you know, they're not the sort of people you would hope that they're actually going to say, right, well, let me just now pass it on to someone that's even worse and that doesn't have the football club's interests at heart. You know, at the end of the day, they are people, uh, and I'm sure they are trying, but at the end of the day, while they may want to just give it up, they don't want to give it to, you know, someone that's just going to run the club into the ground any more than it already is. So I think it has to be the right person. Because as I say, you can, you know, give it to someone else and be okay for the next three or four months. But if in 18 months' time, you're also going to be out of business with someone that's not the right fit, then you need to take that little bit longer to make sure it is the right person. Yeah, Yo was a good example of that, isn't it, Joe? He came in in a blaze of glory and now uh, now they're wanting rid. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure the Oval owner is, you know, in a similar boat where, yes, they have had offers to have the club bought, but perhaps they're not just the right offer for them. And, you know, they don't want to give it to someone that, you know, runs the club into the ground. So until it happens, you have to just wait and see. But I hope that they give it to someone, if it is sold, that it's sold to someone that has the intentions of, of Scunthorpe at heart, like we've seen with Gillingham. You know, they look like they were going to drop out of the Football League and we may come on to talk about them in a minute about, you know, whether they do drop out of the Football League. But, um, you know, their owners have come in and it looks like, touch wood, that they have the right intentions at heart and that they're the right people to take them forward and hopefully that's what Scunthorpe can find. There was four games in the National League North, five games in the National League South, so we'll start with the National League South and it was a good day for 
Chelmsford because they made ground on the leaders by winning 2-1 away at Weymouth. Reese Grant and Simeon Jackson with the goal. Brad Ash had equalised for Weymouth. Um, and a, a big win that for Chelmsford. It just keeps the pressure on the teams behind who didn't play because of the weather. Yeah, big win for them. And, uh, you know, another good three points for Robbie Simpson's men. You know, they continue to have a really good season. Um, obviously, they beat a Weymouth side that... Um, gave a, a new contract to their manager during the week, Bobby Wilkinson, new deal till 2026. So um, obviously not the start that he would have wanted um, after signing a new contract. But uh, yeah, for Chelmsford, they look really good this season. You know, they're strong, they're difficult to beat. And uh, without watching the game, I expect they went to Weymouth and ground out a 2-1 win that um, they probably deserved. Yeah, there's still 10 points off top though. That's still Ebsfleet up there. And Dartford are level on points with them in second, having a third on 52. Eastbourne Borough won by three goals to one against bottom side Hungerford, which means they move level on points with St Albans, but they're out of the playoff places on goal difference. So a good win for Eastbourne, although they have played more games than the teams above them. Yeah, well, they've always been in and around the playoffs under Danny Blur. And, uh, you know, it looks like they will be again. Whether they can get into the playoffs is the next question. Obviously, for Hungerford, it looks like their time in the National League South is coming to an end. But, you know, stranger things have happened. So they may get themselves out of trouble. But, you know, it's not looking that way. Another defeat for them yesterday. And, uh, you know, for all the good work that they had last year under Danny Robinson, it looks like it... uh, could be coming to an end this season. Yeah, Oxford City solidified their place in the playoffs as well. Two goals from Zach McCreckerin in the first half meant that they won 2-1 away at Concord for who Nathan Smith replied 20 minutes from the end in that game. And, and Concord are in a sticky situation as well, aren't they? Yeah, you know, they need wins as well. And, you know, they're, they're another team that probably look to, to try and get the results at home now. And, uh, you know, Obviously, they looked like they were going to try and get back into it yesterday, but they couldn't in the end get anything from that um, against a, an Oxford City side that, you know, have had a little bit of a shaky middle. Um, but, uh, you know, a good win for them yesterday. Uh, midfielder McEachran, that's, you know, one of the best players in this division um, on his day. So, uh, yeah, not a good result for Concord yesterday. Um, they're obviously still in the relegation zone. Yeah, and massive props as well to Scotty Davis. His slough side beat Dulwich. By four goals for three, the leapfrog Dulwich. Now there was seven goals in the game, seven different scorers as well. They were two 0 up at half time. Slow through Obiogo and Matt Lynch. It was a goal back just after half time from Jack Holland for Dulwich. For John Goddard, put three one ahead. Quay Taylor put them four one ahead before a fight back at the end from Dulwich from George Porter. He scored on seventy eight minutes and Sanchez Ming on 83 but uh Scotty Davis doing a good job after a shaky start yeah and I'm pleased for him you know because he's given his all he's brought in a couple of really good players um Francis Amati one of those um obviously wasn't on the score sheet yesterday but uh, they brought in some really good players and it's certainly not been uh you know uneventful for for Scott Davis his slough manager I think they were three nil down the other day in the league and came back to draw three all and, uh, you know, another thriller yesterday, which they managed to edge out against, you know, a Dulwich side that, you know, they, they just cannot get that run going, you know, every year, you know, we said at the start of the season, you know, brilliant squad, you know, good set of players and they just don't 
do it. You know, they just can't get it going. But um, yeah, you know, home form again, you know, I've said home form is going to be key for those teams down the bottom and, uh, you know, another win at home for Slough and uh, just what Scott Davies would have wanted. So just to wrap up the National League South, uh, a really entertaining game down at Braintree. Bath City took the lead through Jack Batten, but former Southend United defender John White equalised. And then in the fourth minute of stoppage time, upstep Barris Altintop to clinch a dramatic winner for Braintree. Yeah, and a uh, big win for Braintree. Uh, obviously, Bath would have hoped that they'd have been able to get something out of it, but they didn't batten down the hatches uh, and uh, keep them out. Um, win for Braintree there, right in the, the final few minutes for, for Barris Alton top scored a 94th minute winner um, to complete their comeback. And, you know, for Bath, obviously, they might have their mind elsewhere, obviously, with, um, you know, Alex Fletcher as he continues his uh, sort of return to, uh, to to well-being, I suppose, after what happened to him. And uh, they haven't been able to get going in the league since. They were sitting in the playoffs before and, uh, you know, a couple of defeats now for them in their last few games. So, uh, yeah, not another disappointing result for them, but a, a good win for, for Braintree. So in, into the National League North, then Fylde took advantage of other teams not playing to go top. They did it the hard way, though, Dickie. They came from a goal down to beat Scarborough by two goals to one. Yeah, they did. Um, it was a, a goal um, from Lewis Maloney that put uh, Scarborough into the lead uh, after just a quarter of an hour. But yeah, Mika Obi, the Fylde centre-half, equalised within a few minutes. And then it was a player um, who I've seen a few times, Mo Fall. He's on loan to file from West Bromwich Albion. I think that was something probably about his fifth goal for the club. He scored um, with 83 minutes on the clock. Um, and Scarborough, having had a very proud record of, of not losing at home for over a year, I think have now lost three at home in quite recent succession, not consecutive but that's taken a bit of a blow um foiled moving quite ominously um into top spot there there, there are kings Lynn do have a game in hand on them and three points behind um but i just have that feeling that those two teams filling first and second may well be the teams that fill first and second um when we get to the end of the season just by virtue of the fact that they're full-time we're having fixtures called off now which means teams are starting to have to play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, and I just think they'll be able to ride that out that little bit better. Am I right in thinking it was a bit eventful yesterday, Dickie, at Scarborough? Wasn't there two delays, I think? Yes. Um, there was a, a drone above the pitch. That ah, one there. Uh, okay. That one came in, and there was another short delay, a fire alarm <laughs> at the ground, which uh, they had to... Uh, they, apparently, they took all the players into the changing room because they thought there was an actual fire, but it was only a test. Okay. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, uh, games being suspended. Um, I mean, it, it's a better reason than the, the, the reason that a game at Scarborough was suspended recently than one against Darlington. But, you know, they're just things that you, they can't be helped. I mean, obviously the person flying the drone, what are they thinking? But, you know, it, it does break up the rhythm of a game, doesn't it? You know, having to take the players off the field is not helpful. Dickie. So at the bottom, I'm guessing you'll have had a keen eye on a couple of results yesterday. Uh, most notably Buxton, Hereford and Gloucester Blythe. Yeah, I did. Um, I think particularly the game between um, Gloucester and Blythe caught my attention. Um, sounds like it was probably one of the games of the day and certainly comeback of the day um, for Blythe in that one. Uh, Don McHale 
a player I um, know from his Telford days, who's done fantastically well since going into Gloucester. He scored twice in the first 14 minutes and Gloucester looked to be cruising at that point. Certainly when um, Blythe had Nicky Devidich, their um, captain sent off. Um, but they got a goal back before half-time. Troy Chiarbi scoring in the third minute of injury time. McHale then missed a penalty early in the second half. That would have been his hat-trick. Um, and they had to pay a price for that one because Isaac Walker then scored a penalty of his own for Blythe to level it on 62 minutes. I'm sensing there was probably some frustration maybe in the red card at the end of the game for uh, Ben Morgan of Gloucester in the 90th minute. But yeah, tremendous comeback for, for Blythe. They are towards the bottom of the league. They're in 23rd. They are struggling. But you, you look at coming back from two goals down, particularly with 10 men, and think, you know, there's no lack of spirit. There's no lack of heart in that Blythe side. Um, and I, that's something that I would always attribute with them. You know, Blythe haven't had the, um, a great deal of quality in their side over the last few years, but you know they will always give their all. And, and yeah, they did so and got a point yesterday. And I saw Josh Garland's interview for Hereford and uh, he was always getting asked about their record on 3G pitches. Well, uh, he was smiling on Saturday because they eventually did win on a 3G pitch. They won 1-0. Oh, wait, Buxton, who must be getting pretty worried now, do you think? I would think so, yeah. I mean, Buxton lost to Telford um, on their own patch last week. Um, and I know it took a 97th minute equaliser for them to rescue uh, a point at home against Chorley. So if they'd not got that point against Chorley, that would have been three home defeats on the bounce. It is just one point from nine in three consecutive home games. Yeah, there was a, a penalty that won yesterday from Kane, Thompson, Summers for Hereford. So, um, yeah, I mean, Buxton... Um, we spoke about the Gloucester game just that was played on a, a, a on a 3G, 4G pitch. Buxton the same with them. You know, when you go to Buxton, you can see why the advantage of having that pitch. But it's not looking to be much of an advantage for them at, at the moment actually playing on it. And they stay just above the relegation zone. They're on 26 points. But I think there's one of the other teams that are actually in the relegation zone also on 26. So it's only goal difference that's keeping them out of it. It's not where I thought Buxton would be when they got promoted in this division. I'm fairly certain it's not where the fans um, and the, the the board at Buxton thought they would be either. Um, uh, Jamie Vermiglio stepped aside and Craig Elliott's gone in there now, but he's got a big task on his hands. He has indeed. He had only been kept out of the drop zone, as you say, on goal difference by Kettering, as are Boston. Um just above them, three points ahead of them in 17th of Bradford Park Avenue. They took on 15th place Kidderminster, a phrase we thought that we'd never say. And that ended in stalemate. Yes, it did. Um, this was the only game of the day in the north that actually went ahead on a grass pitch. Um, so kudos to Kidderminster Harriers for actually getting the game on. However, I would imagine there was probably some quite lengthy spells in this game where they may be wondering if, if they their efforts had been in vain or whether they'd rather they just hadn't put the effort in. They were a goal behind to Jordan Preston um, uh, putting Bradford on the board just after the half-hour mark and it took an Amari Morgan-Smith equaliser with just about 15 minutes or so left on the clock for them to get a point. I've not looked at the reaction from the Kidderminster fans at the moment, but I can imagine it's not been entirely positive. You know, that. Kidderminster would have higher expectations than to than to be satisfied with a point at home against Bradford Park Avenue. And I think particularly with 
how well Kidderminster did um, last season. I think Alex Penny, one of the players who, I mean, he scored their goal in that game against West Ham. I think he's been missing for a long spell. He was back in the team yesterday after a long absence. But yeah, things just haven't gone right for Kidderminster this season. I don't, I think I commented last week that I don't see them troubling, um, you know, the playoff places at all. And that's got to be a massive frustration for, for Russ Penn. Um, it'll be frustrating for the fans. Um, and it's one of those things where, you know, all eyes then look to the board is to say, you know, are they going to continue to back their man in Russell or are they going to feel that maybe um, they should be doing better? Well, what we're going to do now is look at uh, who potentially could be in the National League both coming down from the EFL and up from step three. So we'll head up to the EFL first, Joe. And um, there's a three or four sides you could potentially could drop into the National League at a minute. Yeah, a, a couple of teams. It's all very tight. I mean, Newport are in 18th, they're on 26 points. And you've got Rochdale, bottom of the league, and uh, they're on 20 points. So, um, yeah, lots of teams. A um, couple of big teams in there as well. Um, for me, I think Rochdale will go. Um, I think that's the only side that I think are, I'm confident will go. Um, <laughs> the ironic thing is Jim Bentley last year, he wanted to try and get into the National League with Fylde. Well, he's going to get there, but with Rochdale, uh, the wrong way. Um, so um, unfortunately for them, I think they will go down. Um, as to the other one, I, I don't see Gillingham going down. You know, with the money they've invested, I don't see them going down. Um, and I, you know, a little upturning fortunes for them. And I don't see um, Harrogate um, going down either um, you know I think they'll be fairly safe under Simon Weaver um, Colchester and Newport I think Newport are perhaps the side that I think could be in danger come the end because um, their little revival under Graham Coughlin hasn't really um, continued um, Colchester look good I know they lost yesterday to Gillingham but they've looked better of late under Matt Bloomfield and they've added a couple in the, the window so it'll be up to Crawley or Hartlepool um, obviously Hartlepool, Keith Curl, he's you know kept his team up before with the struggles and um, he'll be hoping to do the same again. Or you've got Crawley. I mean, you know, the last few seasons, it's been perhaps easy to guess which team is going to go down because there's been, you know, that one team with the troubles off the field. And if I was a better man, I would say that Crawley will be the team that uh, that come into the National League. I mean, the National League is crazy as it is. You know, if we were to then get Crawley as well, you know, with all their stuff going off the field, it would certainly make for a very interesting division next year. But um, yeah, I think Rochdale will go and uh, and I think Crawley will go. Yeah, we could be having a, a Bitcoin chat this time next year, couldn't we? Which will be a very fun indeed. Um, looking at the Northern... Premier Division currently heading into the National League North. If the um, if the tables were to be stopped now, it, it would be High United who are top on goal difference. Although they have played four games more than South Shields, there's a lot of um, chat about well, South Shields will win it eventually. But as we've talked about before, points on the board more than uh, games in hand. I mean, they've still got to win them all the full time. But equally, um, it's a case of. They've got to play games in a short space of time, haven't they? And a lot are away from home as well, which is where the Achilles heel has been in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, everybody will obviously look to South Shields, as you said, but um, hopefully, for, for the sake of the podcast, we get um, Hyde in the uh, the National League uh, next year, because, uh, oh, sorry, the National League uh, North next year, because um, it looks like, uh, unfortunately, we won't have Telford. 
Um, so we've got to have somebody in the National League North. Um, so hopefully for for you that uh, that Hyde get promoted, I would still put my money on South Shields. Um, you know, with the squad that they've got, and you know, as you say, they've got quite a few games in hand. But um, yeah, hopefully Hyde go up. It'd be nice to see them in the National League North. The, uh, could do some dramatic music and me going to Dickie. Leave this to me. I've got it. You know. <laughs> Is, uh, is it where he's good? But hopefully, I hope Telford would stay up as well. So it'd be good. And then uh, we've got a double whammy then. Uh, and we can uh, visit each other next year. Um, I'm really excited about the Southern League Central Division. Two teams at the top there, Tamworth and Nuneaton, good old-fashioned sides. They've been in the National League North before. Tamworth, their game went ahead because they've got a 3G pitch. They won 9-1 against Hensford on Saturday. A huge, huge win for them. And Rushall, they've also got a 3G pitch now. They won 2-1 against Kings Langley. They're into third. So I think Rushall are a bit of a way behind Tamworth and Nuneaton, but it's tight there, Dick, isn't it, between those two battling it out? I mean, um, Tamworth do look, you know, the the outstanding side in that division. And Dan Craney, uh, in particular, he just can't stop scoring, you know. He, I think he got at least a couple of the goals yesterday um, against Hensford there towards the bottom of the table. So, um, you know, don't imagine that Tamworth are winning by that kind of scoreline every week, but they are a very powerful outfit. Nuneaton in second place, I think possibly a sign of, of the direction in which they're wanting to go. Um was that Kyle Storer left Solihull Moors a couple of weeks ago to return to Nutney Club he captained many, many years ago under Kevin Wilkin um, and obviously sees that, uh, you know, I don't think he's gone there to play Southern League Central uh, football next season. I think he's eyeing being in National League North at the very least. Rushall Super Club. Um, they're another club with an artificial surface. Um, a really well-run, uh, excellent manager there in McDonald and and they you know they they've been there and thereabouts over the last few years and um, I think they would be um a really interesting addition to the league um Layston in fourth place Colville in fifth Colville have got you know um um I think Billy Key is still at Colville mm. as far as I'm aware they've I got a lot Ashley, of games in hand aren't they with their FA Cup and trophy exploit yeah I think Ashley Chambers is there as well so they've got you know a certain amount of firepower Layston you know right down on that Suffolk coast but to Ipswich you know I've, I went to Layston for an FA Cup tie with Telford a couple of seasons ago and they beat us on penalties after a goalless draw and it was the journey, almost the journey to end all journeys. You did feel like you were almost going to drop into the channel. You were that close to the coast. But um, I, I wouldn't think, fact, you know, teams would fancy going there, to be perfectly honest. So, um, of course, there is that thing of which division they, they're going to go into. You know, you've got to look at the splits. But, you know, the, the, it's it's a really interesting division. I, looking at it, I would say Tamworth probably are going to be one of the two. Um and I think maybe Nuneaton as well, just maybe for the fact that they've got that bigger um, fan base to draw upon than Rushall potentially. But uh, yeah, interesting division. You can tell it's a long journey to Leiston because uh, here's a fun fact for you. The closest motorway to Leiston is the A1 in Holland. So there we go. <laughs> 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 um, Joe, uh, you wanted to come in on this. Yeah, I was, I was. I mean, Dickie touched on it quite nicely there. But we, you know, we teed it up for Tamworth and Eton and Russell. But uh, you know, Leeston and Colville will uh, 
well, Leiston, sorry, Leiston and Colville will uh, will feel that they're in the mix as well. I mean, uh, isn't it nice, you know, we have a, a league where all five teams at the top could actually, you know, have a, a real chance of not just going up, but even win the league. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's um, certainly going to be an interesting uh, end to the season. Um, and as Dickie said there, if, if Leiston do go up and it's, unsure about the split then that would give a little bit more con- you know controversy as to you know which league they're in so yes interesting uh, interesting end to the year I, I think what we, I think what we are potentially seeing here as well of course is the impact of the some of the changes to the pyramid that have been going on over the last few years um uh, we've not had a lot of fresh blood into the divisions recently because of covid and no relegations and things like that but i think all of a sudden this year, the fact that there are four relegation places in both the North and the South means that some clubs who perhaps have been surviving by the skin of their teeth, and yeah, I probably have to put my own club Telford in amongst that, are all of a sudden looking at the very real possibility of of, of relegation and having their place taken by, um, you know, up-and-coming teams from below or teams, you know, going through a resurgence in, in you know, the likes of Tamworth and Uneaton that does freshen the league up and does keep it interesting. That's why we have promotion and relegation. It's great to see. Uh, in the Southern League South Division then, Joe, um, Western Supermare top, Truro was second. Truro couldn't take advantage. They were only one of four teams to play on Saturday in that division. They only drew nil-nil at home to Murder Town. The other game was Hanwell Town beating Northley by five goals to one. But uh, again, some real big hitters in that division. Aren't they up at the top? We've got Western Supermare, Truro who've been there before, Poole, Dorchester, and we've got Chesham as well. Yeah, I think it will be uh, one of the top three. Um, you know, a bit of a difference between the, those teams. Um, I think Chesham, um, well, I know, in fact, as I'm looking at the table, Chesham got a 10-point lead on on Paul, having played a game more. So I think it will be one of those top three. Interestingly, someone asked me yesterday on uh, the Q&A, I did have a Q&A, Luke, um, <laughs> that um, someone asked if Gary Johnson was to leave Torquay United, who I'd want to, uh, our manager to be. Um, and I actually said Scott Bartlett that's at Western Supermare. Um, and we may actually be playing him next year. Um, you know, a really, really good young manager there who used to coach at Forest Green. Um, he's got them playing some really, really nice stuff. And they've got a four point lead at the top, having played two games less. Um, so, uh, yeah, an interesting division. Um, I wouldn't discount Chesham because they've been there or thereabouts. I think they've got two joint managers. Um, not often see that at this level. Obviously, we've seen it with. Bernard and Jono, but um, yeah, Chesham uh, are right in the hunt as well. Only two points behind Truro, um, having played a game less. I think if I had to put it on anybody, I think Western will win the league. Um, I think they're too strong. I think, you know, they've got Dale Grubb there who could easily play higher. And Ruben Reed that used to be at Yeovil Town. Um, again, he's a really, really good player, especially for that level. Um, so I think they'll win the league and I will go for Truro. Uh, I think Truro will get through the playoffs. Um, but, you know, that's the uh, the joy of the playoffs. We don't know. I'd love to see Dorchester get in there, you know, very local to me and uh, fantastic setup there. Um, and two, two Talker United uh, youngsters on loan there um, who I'd like to see in our first team. So I hope uh, I hope they go up as well. Um, but I would uh, I would put on Truro. And uh, maybe what about Bracknell? They've got three or four games in hand on teams 
above them. They're still in the FA Trophy. They've sort of got that knockout cup experience this season as well, haven't they? Yeah, and you know, with the games in hand, if they win some of those, I mean, they're only four points off Dorchester in fifth at the moment, so they'll fancy themselves to be in there. And uh, I think this, they only got promoted last year, so uh, you know, could get back-to-back promotions. Um, you know, they I think they lost was it Bobby Wilkinson earlier in the season. Um, so if they go up again, um, that'll be you know, brilliant achievement. And uh, you know, where they are now, they'd have certainly taken at this stage, and you know, they could certainly go up. In the Isthmian League Premier Division, um, Cray, they moved level on points at the top with Hornchurch. Hornchurch have four games in hand now. Uh, Cray won 1-0 away at Averley. Uh, also in there in the playoffs, the Bishops, Startford, Enfield and Canvey. Averley just outside the playoffs on a goal difference. And then behind them, you've just got Billericay and Cashalton who are in 40 points. Cashalton, they won 1-0 against Bowers and Pitsy, and Billericay won 5-1 against Kingstonian. And then Folkestone were just slightly below that. They won 2-1 against Haringey. So it's not cut and dried there. I mean, again, only five points separating the top eight in that division. Yeah, another close division. Um, and obviously, it's no surprise to see Horn Church top of the league. I mean, you know, FA Trophy winners... Um, and they've got, I mean, they're level on points with Cray in second, but they've got four games in hand. So you'd assume they'll have a, a nice, healthy lead at the top once they've played those. Um, obviously, Cray in second. Uh, they've got an experienced National League manager in Smith, mm. um, former Bromley manager at the helm there. So, um, you know, they'll fancy their chances of going up as well. Um, I would actually fancy Avely to get in the playoffs. I think I saw somewhere that they've signed John Benton from Southend United. Um, on loan, a, a midfielder that really exciting. Um, I think he was actually at Avely and had a really good season for them, be it last year or the year before. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't count them out on getting in the playoffs. Um, I think Horn Church will win the division. Um, fairly confident in that. And uh, you would hope, with the experience that, that Smith's got, that he can guide Cray through. But, um, you know, it's anybody's game, and uh, Bishop Stortfield and Enfield that are just behind. Um, you know, maybe a maybe a Smith showdown. Um, Steve Smith in in charge of Bishop Stortford. Um, it could be uh, whichever Smith gets to the top to to get through in the playoffs. Well, just before we uh, we head off, Joe, I know you wrote a column, didn't you, on a on your blog about the uh, the FA Trophy and who you think are in the mix for that? Yeah, well, you know, Hornchurch won the FA Trophy. Um, and I think this year it's set up for another, you know, team that's perhaps unfancied to win it. Um, in the end, I did put it between two teams. I think it will, if they don't play each other before, I think it will be Southend versus Barnet in the final. Um, and I hope, or at least I said in the in my piece that I hope Southend uh, win it if they get to the final because. Uh, you know, for everything they've gone through, it'd be nice for them to lift a little bit of silverware at, at Wembley. If there's one team that I think could go all the way that, you know, is outside of those two teams, I, for some reason, I fancy Gateshead, you know, under, under Williamson. Uh, I think they're playing some really nice stuff at the moment, even if they're not getting the results. Um, they've added to their side. And uh, yeah, I fancy them to, to perhaps cause an upset. I hope... Uh, that Torquay win it, obviously, because we're still in the competition. Um, and we've actually got the only manager left in the competition that has won the FA Trophy. Um, obviously, Gary Johnson with Yeovil Town. Um, 
Although I hope that if we do win it, we don't do a Wigan, you know, win the FA Trophy and get relegated. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, my money would be on Southend or Barnet um, with a little flutter on on Gateshead, who I think could go go close. There you have it, Dickie. Do you uh, do you agree with that, or do you think there's somebody else who might jump out and win it? I mean, it's fair. I know Altrincham are really keen on uh, on going for it this year. Yeah, I can imagine that they were. You know, I think the number of big, uh, the big hitters in this division uh, that have uh, fallen by the wayside in the FA Trophy does genuinely open it up to someone like, you know, the the teams that Joe has suggested. You know, and I don't know. Um, South End fans might not necessarily place an awful lot of value on the FA Trophy, having played in it very much. But I can imagine if there's a day out at Wembley, all of a sudden in prospect at the end of it, that they would uh, all of a sudden see the FA Trophy in a different light. I think, you know, it's... um, Think of other clubs who've, who've dropped down from the Football League into this division and won the FA Trophy likes of York City a few years ago you know I think it's they've won it twice I think and it's provided them you know with a a terrific day out and and you know um, I'd like to see somebody and and I think we're very likely to see somebody who isn't sort of one of the big hitters in the division win it I think I I think I also commented um, someone asked if it's not Gateshead or Southend or Barnet who are perhaps I would say the three sort of main favourites who could win it. Um, obviously, I said Taunton Town at the time, but they didn't get past Torquay. Um, but, you know, as Dickie said, it could open it up for, for someone. You mentioned earlier, Luke, Bracknell Town, they're still in it. Um, they're playing Altrincham, aren't they? So. Yeah, so I think both of those sides will see if they can, you know, get through, then uh, they could perhaps go all the way, you know. Wouldn't it be uh, ironic if Hungerford, you know, this season looks like they're going to finish bottom? You know, stranger things have happened if they can win the FA Trophy and and uh, and go down as well. So midweek then there's a full fixture. Obviously, of course, this is weather permitting. There's a full fixture list in midweek: uh, Bromley against Dagenham, Chesterfield against Aldingham. Nice little subplots in that one. Eastley against Barnet. Wrexham face a trip up to Gateshead, Maidenhead against Southend United, Maidstone against Aldershot, Rob's first game back after his little holiday away, Oldham against York, that's a game that I fancy going along to, so I'll see if I can get along to that, uh, Solihull against Notts County, Woken against Torquay, and Yeovil against Wheelstone, and then on Wednesday evening it is Halifax Town against Scunthorpe United. Um, what games stand out there for you chaps? Uh, well, obviously for me, um, Woking against Torquay that'll be a really tough game because um, I, I fancy Woking to get into the top three if they can keep doing what they're doing but um, that'll be a really tough test and a massive game for Neil Ardley you know it's um, could it be that he loses his job against the team that he left um, could well be um, you know really poor run for them they got Notts County uh, at home um, I will actually be at one of the games in midweek and um, I'll be going to watch Yeovil Town against Wealdstone, but I won't be in the Yeovil Town this end, uh, this this game, because uh, Paul Franklin on Twitter, Wealdstone fan, he's coming down for the game. So I'm going to be a, a Wealdstone fan for the week um, and uh, and watch them against, uh, against Yeovil. It- One thing I, I would also add, um, I know Dickie wants to make a, a little point as well, but I think, uh, or we wish the best of luck to Bourne Wood. They've got their third round replay on Tuesday night against Accrington Stanley. 
um, and uh, hopefully they can get through to the fourth round of the FA Cup um, with that one. Yeah, and also FA Trophy this week as well. It's uh, Banbury against Colville. Uh, and Dickie in the north, that means there's, a, there's five games that are scheduled to go ahead. The biggest one that jumps out there is obviously Kingsland against Fylde, second against first. Yeah, that is a big game indeed. I think Fylde will be going into that one um, feeling very confident. You know, I think people weren't necessarily... Um, bowled over when they appointed Adam Murray as as manager. There were questions about, you know, the fact that his spell at Boston United hadn't been particularly, uh, just hadn't pulled up any trees there. But, you know, he's he's been serving his time, um, you know, working as a number two um, in Turkey, I think it was, um, at one of the clubs over there, and has come back and, and you know, filed are probably without too much of the, the fuss around them are, 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 are where they would want to be at this stage of the season. Kingsland didn't play yesterday. They were, we, I was supposed to be at Kingsland with Telford. Uh, that game got called off. So they won't, um, uh, they didn't go into, well, they go into that game, not having played for a week. So we'll be interesting to see, uh, how that one goes. The one, the game between Hereford and Chester is a really interesting, uh, Welsh border derby. Uh, clearly I'm not suggesting that either of the clubs are in Wales. I know Chester fans get very irked by that when people mention the fact that part of the ground, um, is over the border, but no, they're two English teams smack on the border, but at top end and bottom end, um, their meeting, that'll be an interesting one. And I'll have my eyes on the Farsley against Buxton game as well, because that's a really important game towards the bottom of the table. In the National League South, um, Ebsfleet, they travel to Dulwich uh, and St Albans take on Haven. That's uh, probably the biggest game in the South, isn't it, Joe, along with Concord against Hungerford? Yeah, well, um, perhaps the third of those games, it's massive for both teams. You've got to, got to win, um, you know, if they're going to get out of trouble, uh, Concord and Hungerford. Um, but yeah, you know, as uh, Ebb's fleet got back to the top and uh, they'll be hoping to stay there now, um, you know, if they can can beat Dulwich. And um, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's certainly set up nicely in that division um, for uh, the top. Uh, yeah, that and uh, that is it, Joe. And Dickie, thank you very much for joining us. I know, Joe, you mentioned about your uh, your your blog. Where can we find you on Twitter? Yeah, so off the line blog on Twitter. Um, just type it in, and we, we, we should hopefully come up. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, you know, we bring our weekly previews. We didn't have this week because, uh, and it's a good job too because every game got called off virtually. But um, yeah, head over to Twitter and uh, off the line blog, and uh, hopefully see us there. Yeah, and Dickie, you co- I was going to say you put you put plenty of contact out, out Joe. So I'd be very surprised if they don't find you by looking at that because there's there's lots there to see. Yeah, and if you fancy, and if you've got a spare five minutes, why don't you come along for the Q and A if we have one? <laughs> Next time you have one, I'll have one. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll be there. And. Uh... Dickie, you're at Books Writer, aren't you? I am indeed, yes. Um, I, my my own blog needs some updating, um, but yeah, there might be something on there soon. Brilliant. Well, that is it. Um, Rob will be back next week. No doubt to talk about all the shot in some form or other, depending on how well they've done. Um, and give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. It's the same on Instagram. And leave us a like and a review, please. That's Great, and we will see you all very soon. Thank you very much for listening. 